is our shepherd. We have everything we need. The Lord leads us beside peaceful waters and right paths, comforting us through the valleys of despair and preparing for us a rich feast. We have more than we need. The Lord anoints us for healing, strengthening, gifting, and blessing. Our cups overflow with goodness and mercy. We, we will, will live, live in, in the, the house, house of the, the Lord, Lord forever. forever. that we are quick to judge others and not acknowledge our own sins and weaknesses. We confess that we do not always follow your example because immorality, impurity, and greed are part of our lives, and obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes come from our lips. God, we need your light to shine on us, to expose the things we say and do that are not pleasing to you. Forgive us our sins. All the praise we could ever bring 
though your hearts were once filled with darkness, now you are full of the light of the Lord. This light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. Walk in the light, for you are no longer blind.
bow in prayer. Dear God, we come before you this morning in a brand new world. Lord, we are praying to you daily, hourly because of that. God, we pray for the coronavirus, for COVID-19, for the situation that is in front of us now. We pray for the healthcare workers that are on the front line, who are risking their lives for the betterment of all of us. Lord, we pray for the shut-ins, for the people that are self-quarantining, for the people that are self-isolating, for the people that for the foreseeable future might very well not be able to see others. God, we pray that your strength will be with them. And God, we pray for our governments now also as they look to have a response. We pray for the federal government, for the provincials, for the local. Each of them has an increasingly large role to play in this. For each and every one of these people, God, I, we pray that they know just how valued, just how loved they are. And we pray that you will send your strength with them, that you will send your support with them, and that you will show each of us how we can do the same. God, we pray for our town of McGregor and the area around it. Lord, we love that we can see the area churches coming together in a way that they haven't in a long time. We thank you for that. God, we pray that you will bless your church during this time. Lord, we pray that your kingdom will be built through this time. But most of all, Lord, we pray we will be able to all keep our eyes on you during this time as well. Our God, we love you. Our God, we know that you have everything in control. Lord, we pray that each and every day as we go into this time that you will show us that a little bit more. In your name we pray, amen. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. John 9, verses 1 to 41. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, 
we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened? they asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? they asked. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisee... They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees asked, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man said, He is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? and they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and then he found him. He said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What, 
Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim that you can see, your guilt remains. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He anoints me. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. I will dwell in his house forever. In light of everything that is going on in the world today, I want to look at a very particular story in the Bible. The one that you can find in John 9 uh, that was just read, but particularly focusing on the first seven verses. It's a story that many of us have heard many times before, that of Jesus and the blind man. But in light of all that's going on around us today, I think we go through it again. If we do that, I think we're all going to see that it speaks to us in a very pointed way to the situation that we find ourselves in now. Our story begins with Jesus and his disciples meeting a beggar who we're told was blind all his life. Then, unfortunately, the same as now, blindness was a condition that was thought of as more or less a curse which we can see pretty readily by how the disciples ask Jesus the moment they see the man who sins so that this beggar would be born blind. And so right off the hop, we know that Jesus, what John is telling us that we can expect in the next few verses of this story is some good old-fashioned teaching on what is a good and what is a bad understanding of who God is. How do we know that that is what is going to be coming over the next few verses? Well, the reason that we know that is because this question, who sinned that this person is suffering like this, is almost like your suffering is a curse from God for sinning. It's a question that time and time again comes up throughout the Old Testament, only to be promptly slammed down as a question that exposes its asker, someone who, while they very much so think they understand how God works, really don't understand how he operates at all. Probably the best example of this can be found in the book of Job, a story where bad things happen to a good person, and that good person in the book His name is Job, to which his friends ask him what he did to deserve all the bad things that were happening to him, to which, in the end, God himself actually shows up and tells Job's friends that they're wrong because Job did nothing, and then he blesses Job for remaining faithful through his hardship. This is not to say that there are no examples of God punishing people who deserve it in the Bible. There are, but those stories, they they always play out in a very different kind of way. Those, Those people are told and given multiple opportunities to shape up, and still they choose not to, hence the punishment to get them to fall into line. But this is clearly not what happened to this blind man as he was born blind. So simply put, we should think of the blind beggar as we would think of Job. Bad things happen to him for no other reason than because we live in a fallen world. And so just like in the book of Job, here again, Jesus refreshes his disciples of that truth. No one sinned so that this man would be blind, Jesus answers them. This happened purely so that the works of God may be displayed in him. 
Now, this answer of Jesus's, it, it's one that a lot of people have taken in a lot of very wrong ways over the years. Often when I hear it used poorly, it's because it's getting quoted in a very fatalistic kind of way, saying something like, God blinded this man so that Jesus could one day heal him. Or to rephrase that in a different way that I think we've all heard before, with God, everything happens for a reason. And I take issue with this understanding because a more beautiful case of proof texting, of cherry-picking individual verses from the Bible in order to make them say something that they clearly don't, it would be really hard to find. After all, the whole reason that Jesus says what he says is to shut down his disciples for saying this exact thing. I mean, how is saying who sins so that this man is blind any different than saying with God everything happens for a reason? Those sentences are just two sides of the same fatalistic coin. No, God did not make this man blind so that one day Jesus would run into him and heal him to show everyone the glory of the Father. How would that make any sense in a world where children are born blind every day but aren't healed themselves? How is God's glory shown in an act like that? It isn't. That would just make God creating his own problem solely so he can fix it itself. That's how con men work, not, not our Lord. No, instead, when Jesus told his disciples that this happens so that the glory of God will be on display, what he means, given the context of the passage, is something much closer to this. This beggar was blind, not because he or his parents sinned, but instead only because the world is a fallen place, and a part of that sadly means that sometimes children are born blind. But by me now healing them, Jesus, that is. Even though this terrible thing happened to this man, that it would have been better that it never happened at all. The Lord's glory can still be seen through him. A glimpse of the coming kingdom in which this kind of thing will be no more can still be seen through the suffering of this man. Or to put it a different way, a simple way, what Jesus is saying here is bad things happen in a fallen world, but in spite of your suffering, with God's help, you can choose to spread his glory to the world still. And to those in suffering, I dare say that that is a whole heap better, because then God is someone that you can cling to, and who together with you can help to build a better world, no matter what situation you find yourself in. And also, what God ceases to be is someone who is causing your pain. But either way, then we see the story move forward one more time as Jesus steps before the blind man and does something that to us may seem kind of gross, especially now that we're in a time of quarantine. We see Jesus spit on the ground to make mud, to which he anoints the blind beggar with it, spreading it on his eyes to which he tells the man to go wash in the pool of Shalom. And lo and behold, when the blind man does that, he is left able to see, to which in absolute elation, this healed man lets the whole world know the glory of who Christ is. He lets the whole world know who he is the disciple of. 
And it's there where I want to end our looking at this passage and come back to today. Because in those seven verses, there is just so much for us to take in that suddenly directly impacts us in the situation we find ourselves in. In more ways than we have time for today even, but as we hit in three big things in the story, let's just lay out three big ways that this story impacts us today. First off, just as Christ showed the disciples that they were really off base in their understanding of God to even ask, who sinned that this happened? Let's not us make the same mistake ourselves. While I have not heard of anyone in our congregation saying it yet, which is great, I have heard from some of the usual famous online preacher culprits that all of this with COVID-19 and coronavirus is just a plague sent by God because we have angered him in some way. Usually it actually takes the form of because somebody else has angered him, strangely enough. And you know what? I'm going to say it front and center. No, it isn't. This is a virus, just like the flu is a virus, just like rabies is a virus. It's a particularly nasty virus, but that's, that's all it is. We live in a fallen world where people suffer because viruses hurt them. No angry act of God required. And saying it's God, even though we have no reason to think that, just makes God seem like a monster to everyone who hears us talk like that. As I mentioned before, while there are stories of God judging folk in the Bible, those stories are to specific people for specific reasons, and those people are always fully in the know about it. This virus, on the other hand, is randomly attacking everyone in the world with no rhyme or reason. That's not exactly God's M.O. We live in a fallen world where people suffer because viruses hurt people. That's it. Second, let us remember how Jesus responds to his disciples. This is happening so that God's glory can be shown, he says. As we mentioned before, this is not Jesus saying, with God, everything happens for a reason. I want to make absolutely clear today that God did not cause this pandemic just to show off. After all, that wouldn't glorify God in the slightest. That would make him the literal definition of a monster because that is literally the bad guy's plan in the movie The Incredibles. But instead, what it is saying is this. Though we may be suffering in our fallen world now, all of us, we have a choice that we can make. There is an opportunity before us. Will we choose to give in to our suffering and become nothing but it? Or will we instead decide to even now lean on God? Will we in this time of suffering still choose to glorify him to the world? How, you may ask, when we can't even leave our houses? Well, that leads us right into the third and final point, because just as when the blind man's eyes were anointed by Jesus, he went out and used his return sight to guide his way to sharing to everyone what Jesus had done for him. I'm sold that we have the same opportunity now. We may be under isolation, but even now in our suffering, we can still work with God to let him use us to build his kingdom and spread his glory. How? Well, just for example, we all still have phones, don't we? 
The church is looking to put together a phone care network to reach all of the people of our own congregation and then growing it out from there to the town at large. You could join in that. Or many of us are in the low-risk category and only have others in our homes that are in that same category as well. Our town is full of people who very soon, if not already, will not be able to leave their homes to pick up meals and groceries and medications. So many, in fact, that the area ministerial is looking to put together a delivery network for the whole town to address this very problem. You could volunteer for that. Or think forward a bit. As undoubtedly the news will begin to get a lot worse before it gets better, you could become someone who prays for all that is about to happen. Or, as weeks roll on, there will be things that need our money. So as you are able, you could give. Or as you are looking for things to occupy your time as the weeks roll on, you could work to pick up a new skill that you think that could strengthen our church or the community once things get back to normal. The length of a lot of free online courses is not that much less than the projected length of this quarantine, strangely enough. The Lord is my shepherd, we heard at the beginning of today. He anoints me. As we enter this new time of pandemic and self-isolation and quarantine, let's ask ourselves just this. Will we let Jesus anoint this suffering of ours as well, to use it to build his kingdom? Will we choose to lean on him, to use this painful time to at least show his glory to the world? I say we all choose to do just that. Amen.
We will get through this. We've been through a lot as McGregor EMC's congregation, as friends, as family. Why would this be any different? And for our benediction, I want to read for you this. You are a forgiven sinner with the light and power of God living in and through you so that those who are spiritually blind will be able to say, I believe. Amen.